0: Welcome to On Texas Football. I'm Bobby Burton, your host, joined today by Ian Boyd of InsideTexas.com, our X's and O's expert. Uh, Ian, we're, we're going to talk today about basically some news and how it impacts Longhorns. How are the Longhorns. In your article today, how are the Longhorns going to get after the passer? I thought it was very interesting, and it combines with some news, of, not only over the weekend, with Texas losing out on Oshan Mathis, Uh, The defensive end uh, headed to TCU, or excuse me, from TCU, now headed to Nebraska, as well as the news that Texas has offered FCS Defensive Player of the Year, Isaiah Land, uh, from Florida A&M University, who's 6'4", 215 pounds, and had 19 sacks a year ago, but he's decidedly different than Mathis. He's more of a, a, Mathis, I think, went 265 or 255, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: so your article today says, okay, now that we know Mathis is not there, and no other defense, true defensive end, is going to magically appear in the portal, uh, given that the portal is officially closed. You know, where does Texas go from here? What are your thoughts on that? And and also tell us a little bit about how you think the loss of Mathis affects the defense for next season.
1: Well, I think it's a pretty bad loss, honestly. I don't think there's any sugarcoating it. It's really hard to find big athletic edge players in the portal. That's like, I mean, these are the guys that are early round draft picks. And um, I know a lot of people are saying things like, well, if he were so good, he would have been in the draft. Um, I think if TCU hadn't come and glued last year, he might have been for one. And for another, even if he's not a tier one edge, a tier two edge is still so much better than what Texas had last year. So it's it's pretty rough to to lose that recruitment I don't know feel like I've heard a few different accounts of how it went wrong um, the fact that it, it went it was a, it's a bad beat and uh, I think um, it was gonna be hard to find a guy like that even if they had had extra months in the portal um, there were guys that they could have chased maybe earlier in the portal and they just were like well whatever we got mad at this and they missed out on him. So now it's, it's basically they just need to figure it out from what they have on the roster.
0: Gotcha. And so given that, what do, what do you think their thoughts are? I, I read your article this morning. I hope other people did on Inside Texas. Um, what are your thoughts on, on it on it uh, as it relates to what do they do next?
1: Well, they, are, um, they probably made this decision a while ago. I think maybe after they lost Drew Sanders maybe they would have done it anyway, but they've pivoted to a three-three-five instead of the 2-4-5. Uh, the 2-4-5, you play two edges on the field at the same time, which is amazing if you have two edge players because they can be so impactful in the modern game. Um, but if you don't have any, then uh, it's not so great. As we witnessed last season, they were really bad on the edges and they really couldn't afford to be as bad as they were. So in the 3-3-5, they only play one. Um, I drew it up here actually, this is how the three-three-five looks. This position is kind of like a defensive end, but I wrote T for tackle because it'll be played by somebody like Mauro Ojimo or Alfred Collins. Um, a nose guard, another defensive tackle, and then you have a single edge on the field who can be up on the line or a little bit off the ball and he's standing up. And uh, that is a much easier edge position to play than the one that they have seem to have erased from the formation, which is going to help Texas a lot. Um, it seems to maybe have hurt them and that Mathis didn't think standing up on the edge and dropping back every now and again was such a great idea for him. I think he's wrong if he thought that, but... Um, so it, it, it was a two-edged sword for Texas in this instance. I think this alignment makes it a lot easier to find a quality edge on the roster, but maybe it also costs them their best chance at bringing in a premier proven impact player. So
0: yeah well i mean it is what it is now so texas is going to have to deal with the cards they've got and you think that the 335 is the answer to that
1: yeah i think it would have been anyway like i said once they lost drew sanders the chances of them filling out a depth chart that the way they're going to want to needing to play two edges at the same time was going to be a bridge too far but to fill out the depth chart with just one is a much simpler task and uh I think they'll actually be able to do it. I don't think that they are sunk. I think that they can still play good defense next year. Yet at the same time, I think they definitely, almost almost definitely, barring the uh, leap and improvement from somebody on the roster, they almost definitely lost a lot of ceiling on their defense. Because the impact of one guy up here on the edge who the offense is worried about every play, what he's going to be doing, is enormous. I mean, like one or two wins even. Like it's the difference between maybe winning the big 12 championship game or not, or giving Alabama a game or, you know, something like that.
0: Well, I, I think that, that that's, you know, we also have to, to, to put into context now who those people are going to be. Yeah. And Ovio Gofu has some talent. That's the number one guy you think is going to play that role.
1: I, I would, I, I called him the Vegas favorite, um, because it seems like he's number one on the depth chart there right now out of spring. Um and he's a good fit for this because he can drop into coverage, get back and confuse the offense. When you can do that also, it helps because uh, maybe it looks like he's going to blitz. The offense prepares to block him, then he drops. And then somebody else from around here blitzes from the other side where the offensive line isn't expecting him or don't have help. There's a lot of things you can do. That was kind of the idea with the Todd Orlando defense. Um, not to give anyone PTSD. And uh, a go-through a go- is good there. He can... He can blitz the edge pretty well. He's got some speed. He can loop inside and take a path inside the tackle or over here and find a gap. I think he's um, potentially pretty good at a lot of things. So that they can, Jack of all trades, master of none would be a good way to put it. So there's a lot of things they could do with him that would help them, but he's not going to be a premier impact guy, I don't think.
0: Okay, well, I want to I want you to hold that thought because one of the things that, that you wrote in your article, I want to make sure I, I, the three they basically Texas has two rotations of three: um, Alfred Collins, Byron Murphy, Tavandre Sweat, and then Mora Ojomo, Keandre Coburn, and Vernon Broughton. Broughton probably the low man on the totem pole there. Um, you know, in the in the and that's I'm just talking about the tackles and nose guards in the spring game. Uh, additionally, uh, Tavondre Sweat was playing that third down pass rush role on the interior uh, or as one of those guys. So he was coming in um, for, uh, I believe it was, uh, I believe Moro Ojomo was coming off. Uh, Murphy was also in and then Alfred Collins. So unless the, the light bulb all of a sudden goes on with someone like Vernon Broughton, who does have some quickness to him, are those the three guys that you're likely to see this impact on the defensive front, um, as it relates to pass rushing downs, will be Sweat, Murphy, and Collins?
1: No, I, I think on obvious passing downs, they will go all in with, uh, at that point, you, maybe you play Sorrell and Agofu and uh, Finkley or whoever else, maybe Jamon Tapp or Ethan Burke. Um, and you just, if it's like, you know, second and 18, maybe you only have one or two defensive tackles, and then you just flood the field with extra pass rushers. Um, The Big 12 can make that hard with tempo, they don't let you substitute. But I think Texas will have some kind of extreme packaging where like maybe one down they have mostly run stoppers and then they're subbing out for just tons and tons of speed for third down. In general, I I don't know that losing Mathis kills them on third down so much as it hurts them on first and 10, second and five, when teams can run passing plays where you're worried about stopping a run and then having somebody that can get in there and impact the quarterback. Um, You can always manufacture a pass rush on later downs if you need to. But being able to do it honestly from your base defense is something else. And it's harder to do that without a three-down player.
0: Yeah, I I think that's interesting. I mean, I think that's an interesting take, because Texas did not get opponents in good third-down situations much, all that much last year, especially in the second half, in my opinion, uh, of a lot of uh, big games. after a gofu at, at that edge position or that rush position, you mentioned two young guys for the Longhorns, Baron Sorrel and Justice Finkley. Um, you mentioned Sorrel next ahead of Finkley. Uh, is, but is he more a true defensive end than he is an edge?
1: Uh, I, that's a good question. I think he's a edge on his way to becoming a defensive end is what I suspect. I don't know that he's ever going to be a good enough pass rusher to be like a pure edge. But the, uh, the jack position that they're eliminating in the three three five is normally like an edge-end hybrid. Um, and I think Sorrel can be that with time, but he's not quite there yet. Um, like if, if they go back to the 2 in 2023, he might be like the starting jack, him or Finkley or someone like that. Um, as, a, as a buck, like a pure weak side rusher, I don't think he's... If he's your weak side rusher, you're probably not going to get a lot of rush from the weak side. So, I think he'll probably play a lot, yet not be the answer for the position.
0: Yeah, that it goes back to what we said. Mathis was the guy that that kind of could do that right away. Yep. Sorrell you still needs some seasoning. It sounds like. What about Justice Finkley? He seemed like he brings a little bit more pass rush potential to the to the table. Is that correct? Or is I that think your so. read from the from the spring game.
1: Yeah, I. On some of my rewatches, I was a little discouraged because it seemed like he could just, he just couldn't make anything of Hayden Connor. Um, But watching a little more closely, I think some of that was due to a lack of refinement rather than a lack of ability. Him being short kind of helps him a little bit rushing on the edge because he can bend and get low. Um, Connor handled it, but he's, that's going to be tough for a lot of people to handle. And he's still 255, 260 in weight. So he has power and and uh, some anchor. I think it's just a matter of him um, refining his pass rushing skills, and then I think he has more natural ability there than Ogofu or Sorel, because he has some of Ogofu's quickness, but with a lot more power and length. And then he and then the more of the length and power of Sorel, but with more quickness and bend. So kind of the kind of the total package, but in a in a raw unfinished product right now. So this is PK's ultimate chance to kind of earn his uh, his rep, earn his earn paycheck and reputation as a defensive end developer as with Justice Finkley.
0: Outsiders, outside of that group, uh, you mentioned Isaiah Land, who we just talked about prior, uh, the Defensive Player of the Year in the FCS from Florida A&M, 19 sacks uh, or 19 and a half sacks, I think a year ago, something crazy like that he's just a pure speed edge rush guy right
1: yeah i yeah i think he's a little bit of fool's gold for texas right now i think it's worth getting him adding him like for those third down packages i mentioned earlier where you just put lots of speed on the field but i don't think he's going to be able to play on first and ten like if, if they're running a counter up here at this guy or like sending a tight end his way land is he's just not really built for it he's like it's like if DeMarvion Overshone had never bulked up at all, like this year he finally bulked up to 230. If he'd never really bulked up at all and he'd played defensive end when he arrived at Texas, which that would never have happened because he's too small, but at the FCF's level, he could have. Um, so I I I just don't see it. I think he's I think he's uh, it's like the um, you know, the the six nine center in college basketball who's got a lot of good low post moves but he's never going to do anything in the NBA because everyone's too big and athletic and they'll just send his stuff back. I think i land is sort of the equivalent of that as an FCS pass rusher where when he's not just racing around the corner on overwhelmed athletes, I don't think it's going to
0: be there. Well, it's interesting. I mean, Texas uh, offered him a scholarship and, and they obviously see a piece for him, whether that's as an, as an edge guy or to your point, taking somebody else off the field and pass rushing downs, and getting more speed on the field. Maybe that's Jalen Ford off um, in certain situations or uh, Ovio Gufu comes off and he goes in on pass rush only situations.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Or some of the bigger tackles probably also.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, any of that is, is possible. The other one you mentioned that I thought was interesting was overshown. Yeah. How do you feel like he plays into this role or is that strictly from a second, second long third down situation?
1: I think it might be an every down thing. I'm a little bit suspicious of what they're up to with overshone. because some of the practice reports, people were mentioning things like 3-3 three, three stack, which didn't make a good deal of sense to me because uh, I was like, well, where does Mathis fit in a 3-3 three, three stack? He does not fit in that defense. This kind of three three five is more like a four down that's like hybridized, not a true 3-3 three, three stack. Um, and so I was confused by that. Uh, there was occasional reports that had overshone playing some buck or outside linebacker, which is this edge position in practice. Um, and uh, we couldn't quite tell if that was like a third down deal or if it was a, a true clear look at it or if somebody just got confused and he was just a normal will linebacker that got walked down or something. I still don't know, but I'm suspicious. And if he, if he got up to 230, presumably he could add even more weight before the season. If he's a guy that could play on the edge some, I think that's maybe a home run because we know he's got explosiveness and burst. Um, he has length to deal with tackles. When he's on the edge, he doesn't have to recognize as many things as quickly, and he doesn't have to get small and inside on linemen coming downhill. You know, he has space outside of him. Just his body and his athleticism is a better fit outside than inside. So if you could be big enough and skilled enough to play on the edge, I, I think that that's worth at least considering. I and I I suspect that they may be considering it. It's not it's hardly something that they would announce if they were going to do that.
0: All right. So, I I have a question for you. I yeah. got I've got a you know, we started this off with who's going to who's going to rush the passer? You had to you had to be, you know, you had to go to Vegas right now. You mentioned Vegas earlier. Who who leads this team in sacks next year? Alfred
1: Collins. <laughs> Alfred Collins with like five or six. That's, that would be my that would be my bet.
0: And why is that?
1: Because well, because he's the best player in the front. Um, best pass probably, rusher? You mean? Just in general, probably. Um, if he puts it together, he's the best player in the front. He had some pass rush moments last year. I don't think they're really going to use him a lot like a pass rusher but maybe enough for him to make it happen and um, also what we're talking about we're mentioning like four different guys and it's hard it's hard to pick a favorite on who would be who would win that position who would lead the way which means it's likely that all of them may get a shot in the season right there may not be that much separation between them so if texas is sending in different packages and they're trying out thinkly one week and they're trying out a gufu another week then you're going to end up with a bunch of guys that have one or two sacks hopefully you end up with a pass rush and i think ultimately you end up with a defensive lineman leading the team in sacks with something like four to six so yeah you, alfred collins is this is the sharp bet I'd say.
0: that that does not sound like uh, what texas fans want to hear if you're somebody's leading the team with four to six how are you well, think they'll have a you think they'll have a, a better pass rush overall though
1: yeah i mean yeah Uh, And also, like, if you look at some of these Kirby Smart defenses, a lot of times they don't have a big-time pass rusher either. Um, In fact, like, one of the big debates going into the draft was people were like, why is Trayvon Walker the number one pick as an edge? He didn't even play edge at Georgia. And what Kirby Smart did with Trayvon Walker is exactly the thing that has driven Texas fans nuts at Texas the last few years, is he had this big freak athlete, but he made him sit inside and eat blocks (laughs) and clog lanes. Um, rather than being a pure edge rusher. Because Kirby Smart was saying, look, in the college game, the way to win is to stop the run with as few guys as possible so you can drop everybody back. And so a a big run-stopping edge that can rush the passer but doesn't do it full-time is worth a lot more in the college game if you can just rush with three or something. And your sack numbers may not look that good, but your pass defense numbers will. Now, that hasn't worked for Texas because they've been lousy on the back end or because Orlando got impatient for too many blitzes or, or what have you. But it's not a bad formula. It's not necessarily a terrible thing if your team doesn't have good, devoted pass rushers. If you're stopping the run and you're stopping big plays, you can still play good defense without a uh, you know, Lawrence Taylor. Gotcha. Um, you. guys have to have one, though.
0: Before I let you go, I want to ask you one last question. This doesn't have anything to do with rushing the pass per se. How important was it for Texas to keep Jade Barron?
1: Oh, essential. Essential. Um, I think their depth at corner doesn't look so good if they don't have Barron. I think that they're going to lean super heavily on being able to play a nickel package with a good man corner in the nickel. If you didn't have Barron, then you were going to have to play Jaron Thompson there maybe, which cuts into your depth at safety, or you're going to have to try to uh, fast forward Terrence Brooks development, which, you know, that, maybe that goes super well, or maybe it really doesn't. Um, I think he was a, I think he's a potential star this year, which speaks to maybe why he felt like he had some leverage or some options. Um, so yeah, I think he's a, he's to the, to the earlier point about Kirby Smart, Barron could end up having a huge impact season that doesn't have a lot of stats behind it just by making life hard for offenses trying to hit the quick stuff to the slot um and losing that would have been really not good they they would have had to rethink a lot of things i think about how they want to play defense next year
0: okay um ian you have anything else you want to add here at the end
1: um i think as far as the pass rush especially the overshown angle keep an eye on the portal if they start making moves like adding, say that uh, that Louisiana Lafayette linebacker uh, or some like obvious inside linebacker that's pretty good, that might be an indication that they're going to move over shown around. Because I don't think you need like a one-year rental inside linebacker for depth so much this season. That would probably help, but they ha- they would seem to have like three or four right now that are decent or pretty good. So if you're adding somebody who's a potential starter at inside linebacker maybe that's because they want to move over Sean.
0: Like, like they tried maybe with Caleb Johnson that went to Miami.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Or yeah.
0: Okay. All All right. right. Well, that's good. All right. Ian Boyd. Thanks. Food for thought for uh, Texas fans there. Uh, Ian uh, can Ian's work can be seen daily on inside Texas.com. We appreciate you listening to this video. Uh, Do us a favor and please hit subscribe to it. Uh, It does help us out and gets us more viewership and, allows us to bring you more content. Uh, We'll be back tomorrow uh, with more videos as well as more content on InsideTexas.com. Thanks.